Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, August 7th, 2017. I have no idea how we're going to pack all this into one program. We're going to have to use some kind of a compressor. But I don't know if Paul's Doctrine compresses. We're going to check the user's manual, figure this out. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to, you know, open up God's Word. You know, if you have a Bible that's electronic, you turn it on and, you know, look stuff up and, uh, you know, compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying and whose small group curricula apparently we need to be studying instead of of the Word of God? Yeah, strange how that all works. And uh, well, this is uh, the, the like the theological equivalent of the um, the ice bucket challenge, and we get that. We get that. Uh, but the idea here is, is that we don't ever want you to listen with an open mind. Always listen with an open Bible and see if you're seeing the same things that we're seeing. All right. So uh, let's talk about today. Today it's Monday, and uh, in studio I have actually some special guests. Let me turn your microphone on. Say hello. Hello. Ahoy. Ahoy. <laughs> so uh, this is my uh, my son, Joshua. That's me. Yeah. Yep. And my daughter-in-law, Nikki. Mrs. Joshua. Mrs. Mrs. Joshua. And uh, glad to have you guys in the studio. You're in town for this week's uh, Pirate Christian Radio Conference. That's correct. Sure are. Amen. Amen. And uh, so they decided to sit in today and uh, and suffer in the name of Jesus here in the uh, in the pirate cave and uh, do an episode of uh, fighting for the faith. Now, uh, Josh, you you and I collaborate quite a bit. Yep, yeah, we do. And uh, and so, I mean, a lot of people, if they don't know already, I mean, you are like the uh, the voice genius behind so much of Max Holiday. <laughs> well, I, I guess you could, I guess you could say that. Right now, you're Gary Sunshine. That is absolutely correct. Uh, you're also Rex Quando. Yes, affirmative. Right. right. <laughs> How many other characters have we? I mean. Oh goodness, we have so many darn. I mean, most of most of the characters we create don't even have an actual name. They're right, just kind of just like you know, like uh, I don't know, like person three four. <laughs> um, 
But of course, you know, it's most fun in order to have ourselves a good time. And <laughs> you know, there's this, right, there's, right, yeah. There's, you know, there's Mark Driscoll and Bane, basically. I mean, oh goodness. You know, what's really funny is that from time to time, I still get emails from people <laughs> who are just now figuring that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know. My word is that Bane. <laughs> it's like I was just listening to your Max Holiday sketch, you know, about you know Mark Driscoll, and I it just dawned on me that's Bane. And it's, like, it's like, and that one's been out for a few years. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of an older one now. It's starting to collect a little bit of dust. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now we're working on uh, like the next installments of the Sneaky Squid trilogy. Yes, yes, we are. We uh, we currently have episode two written, and episode three is. Kind of a, a rough outline, but we're in the right. process of working that out. So hopefully we'll get that uh, sorted out uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. So my mama told me that we're gonna get it done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Nikki, you're you're uh, you call yourself a Nutrin. I am. Yes. Yeah. Can you explain what that means? Uh, it means that I'm very new to Lutheranism. Ah, uh, I. Was officially confirmed in December of was it 2015? I think. I believe. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, yeah, still pretty relatively new. Uh, I have a lot to learn, but um, it's been fun. I enjoy it. All right. Okay. So those are the introductions, and uh, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, as uh, myself and our guests. Uh, try to uh, you know to well jump into this and a little bit of a note here, um, you know I know I keep verbally committing that uh, we're going to try to get the prophetic words out a little sooner, and uh, and so I, I consider today to be like well a little bit of cheating. So you, you kind of have to understand this. Um, so today we're going to begin with a prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate. Twin spin, twin spin. Uh, we're going to check in with Ryan Lestrange for his Monday word, and uh, the <laughs> and and you're thinking, well, it's Monday, so you're like, no, no, I'm a week late. So this is like the Monday word from like last week. So um, you know, I know you can't use it this week, um, but you know, we're, we we have a backlog, and so we're trying to catch up. And uh, then we're going to check in with Jennifer Leclaire as she actually is reading from. Her book, Evenings with the Holy Spirit, and uh, she has like fresh, fresh revelation to share with us that the Holy Spirit wants us to know about. Freshly caught and squeezed. Something like that. Um, and then we're going to uh, check in with Terry Savelle Foy, the Barbie girl herself, and uh, she's going to explain to us, how does she put it? Hang on. You've got to T-R-A-I-N. Train. Yeah, so apparently Satan's always attacking those next in line for a promotion. So if you're experiencing, you know, satanic attacks, you need to understand that that means that you're next for a promotion. She'll be explaining that to us. We're going to check in with Victoria Osteen, uh, latest sermon that she preached recently uh, about, uh, I think she was preaching about the solar-powered tea lights <laughs> at her multi-million, bazillion-dollar mansion. And uh, and then just to round things out, we're going to check in with Larry and Tiz Huck and see what they're up to. I mean, 
I mean, it's it's a little bit out of season. And the reason I say that is that Larry and Tizhuk, normally we check in with them during Jewish feast days, you know, Passover, Yom Kippur, you know, uh, Sabaoth and things like feast that. Yeah, the Feast of Booths. And, uh, and so what do they do during the off season is, you know, is kind of the idea. So we're going to be checking in with them. And then our number two, buckle up. Um, we're going back in time like we did last week. We're going to check in with uh, Dr. Michael Brown and uh, and a sermon he preached titled Holy Desperation at the Brownsville Revival. And uh, and so this is going to be kind of one of those, you know, historic sermon review kind of things. See if we can, uh, again, continue to test the theological vigorousness, uh, you know, stuff like that, Bibli- biblica- biblicality. I'm making words. Put it up. through the stress test, basically. Right, right. We'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, see if we can test the uh, theology of the Brownsville revival to ascertain whether or not that was a legitimate move of the Holy Spirit. That's mm-hmm. kind of the idea. So uh, that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. Seatbelt would be probably a good idea today because we're going to try to get a lot into our short amount of time together. But since we're going to begin with the prophetic holy orders, network information exchange syndicate. Update. Let's do this. Oh, hallelujah. Get up right now. That's right. That's uh, Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. So we're going to head over to the Ryan Lestrange, strange prophetic uh, YouTube channel thingy. And again, my apologies. We're, we're trying to catch up. It's been really busy around here. And so um, this is the Monday word on Monday, but it's it's a week late. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure how we're going to catch up at this point. Will it will it make more sense? Probably not. No, no. But here's Ryan Lestrange to help you with this fresh word from God. Here we go. Monday word. And my Monday word for you is it's not over. I was spending some time with the Lord and he began to speak to me to release encouragement to the body of Christ that it's not over. You know, the enemy loves to place a mantle of defeat on you. Oh, no. Not not that. Not the mantle of defeat. The mantle of defeat. Don't I've worry. Heard... It's not over. The fat lady hasn't sung yet. But there's mantles of defeat. I've heard about but these in books. Over. I've heard about these in dark literature books. The mantles of defeat. The mantles of defeat. I, I think in medieval literature they may have actually had, you know, some, you know, drawings of the mantles mm. of defeat. Yeah. Okay, well, let's continue. This sounds very serious. Oh, yes. Tell you it's over. Yeah. Many people in the Bible, it looked like it was over. The woman with the issue of blood, it looked over. Blind- it, it did, yeah. It, it game it, over, it, dude. It, it game over, yeah. 
Bartimaeus. It looked like it was over, but guess what? God had a powerful relaunch for them. And I relaunch. Relaunch. Yeah, that see that's what the story of blind Bartimaeus was all about. The lady with the issue of blood. Twelve years. Yep. She had a full blown relaunch. She just needed to go into orbit. No, I, I don't think it works that way. I, I don't know. I think that makes more sense than what he's saying. You're confusing me. <laughs> I, I feel like you're trying to put a confusion mantle on me. Oh, no, not those. Those yeah. are even worse. All right, let's let's continue. I believe God has a powerful relaunch for you. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying this to me today. For every false start, there is an authentic launch. Some move before the time. They receive flattering words only to be greatly... Okay, a false start. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you know... You know, I used to swim competitively, used to. Mm-hmm. So a false start, everyone's on the starting block and somebody jumps before the gun goes off. False start. False start. Right. If you do that, what, twice, you get DQ'd. Yep, disqualified. Right. So for every false start, there's a authentic launch. Where? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a little confused about I mean, about is it details. the butterfly flaps its wings and, you know, China and then there's a tornado somewhere else? I mean, if you have a false start in America, does somebody, you know, do a, just a perfect start in China? Is that how this works? It, you know, I, that's, that's within the realm of plausibility yeah, here. Possible. Yeah, let, let's continue. Pointed, but I am binding up their wounds and I am reviving them, says the Lord. I am reigniting the fire of destiny upon them. I'm- ah, right. Uh, f- Destiny fire, fire reignitions. Mm. Fire of destiny. I I remember that verse from the Bible. That sounds like something you, you do in, in in second hesitations. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Totally. Totally correct. All right. You guys sound. I am. I'm detecting incredulity in your in your voices. <laughs> oh, is is that what that is? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Let's continue. Relaunching them for the next phase, says the Spirit of the Lord. The time shall be redeemed. The enemy has been screaming, it's over. But I am saying it's just beginning. I sense that and hear that for you today. That many moved. God spoke to you. Someone prophesied to you. Some of it was flattering words. But you moved prematurely. And you fell on your face. The timing was off. But the or, the original intent was on point. And the Lord is reviving that plan. The Lord is reviving that purpose. The Lord is reviving that destiny. I sense in my spirit the Lord saying, it's time for relaunch. The word relaunch means to launch again. I see... <laughs> <laughs> uh, basic dictionary. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm wondering which Greek lexicon he's getting that from, but okay. Maybe it's in Hebrew, you know. Okay. Some of you are about to be relaunched. There's some things you stepped into. You're about to... <laughs> yeah, things you've stepped into. It's kind into. of stinky. Yeah, then, mm. then, then, you're right. <laughs> There's ministries about to be relaunched. There's businesses about to be relaunched. There are destinies about to be relaunched. It- uh, Enron? Is Enron one of the things businesses about yeah. to be relaunched? That's within the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, maybe they were suffering. They, that was just a false start. Yeah. Right. Precisely. Right. The mantle mm-hmm. of deceit got oh, in the way. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Time that you grab some of those dormant prophetic words and relaunch them and pull them up again. To relaunch means to start again. It means to set in motion. There's some prophetic purposes, some prophetic destinies that the Lord wants to set in motion. It means to make available again. Now, as the Lord was speaking... Does he think repeating the same things over and over again are going to make them make more sense? You know, I, I did notice this, though. I, it's as if he's aware of the Fighting for the Faith Prophecy bingo card because I'm not hearing the normal <laughs> prophetic buzzwords. Mm. 
you know, it's like he's – I think he's kind of like trying to intentionally stay away from all that stuff. But that's a really stunted vocabulary, isn't it? Right, yes. But we should just add relaunch and – you know, destiny mantles and fire ignition thingies to the, right. you know, just in case mm-hmm. to the bingo cards. Right. So, yeah. Me took me to Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word circumspectly means with eyes all around. But here's what I want to focus. What? What? <laughs> uh, we're going to need to think that means what you think it means. <laughs> Circums- with eyes all around. So basically you turn into a human fly? <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, you know, I, yeah okay. Let's oh, – man, every time I listen to these prophetic words, I'm, I'm convinced that these people actually are incapable of lucid thought. All right. Let's check in with Jennifer LeClaire. Let's see if this is any better. This is uh, from, uh, from her Walking in the Spirit podcast. Um, and the name of this episode is titled From Attack to Bounce Back. From Attack to Bounce Back. And uh, see if we can make any sense of this. Okay, guys, you know me, Jennifer LeClaire, author of our devotional Mornings with the Holy Spirit. Today I'm actually going to be reading from Evenings with the Holy Spirit because I barely do that and I should read from it more. Some people say the second one. The second devotional, the evening's devotional, is actually better than the first one. I don't know. Uh, so the the sequel reboot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got you have to have mornings with the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking, you know, she's got the evenings thing. You know, I, lunch with the Holy Spirit, brunch. Yeah, brunch with the Holy. Yeah, yeah. Mid afternoon tea. Right. Yeah. All of these apparently containing fresh. Words from the Holy Spirit. Mm. I like it all. It's all Holy Ghost. I don't know how one Holy Ghost could be better than the next Holy Ghost, but it is good. Praise God. Here is today's devotion. It's called Stand and Withstand, and I found it to be quite appropriate given the circumstances. Here's uh, what I heard the Lord say. When you feel like drawing back or giving up, recognize the enemy is at work. Part of the enemy's strategy is to bring circumstances against your life and imaginations against your mind that cause you to get off your post. You just want to quit. That's so she's saying that this is what God told her. Okay. I thought he dealt with far more clear terms. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, but this is like a really long fortune cookie. You know, even, you you would need a large cookie to kind of hold this, but it kind of in, it sounds like it's in that vein, you know. But it has even worse grammar. You know, the title she said it's called "Stand and Withstand," right? Kind of sounds like uh, like she's trying to play off of some Jane Austen titles, "Sense and Sensibility," oh, "Stand okay. and Withstand." Oh, yeah, so you, oh. yeah. I I don't read chick books, so well, you know that's I what I'm here for. So you watch their movies. <laughs> <laughs> I will deny. I'm denying that. He, 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 he's, no he's breaking the fourth commandment. So I, I'm just saying. Okay. No, I, but, I, I, um, maybe, I'm into sports. Maybe the fourth, but not the eighth. <laughs> <gasps> okay. <laughs> Moving along. It's when you need to stand and withstand. Father is able to make you stand. Don't give the enemy the satisfaction of even slowing down, says God, even if he knocks you down. Get right back up and run hard after Father's will for your life. I am with you, says the Lord. She's kind of, the way that she says Father, that just sounds really Mormon. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I know. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. 
you can do this. Praise God. I like that. Today's scripture references Matthew 11, verse 12, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, and Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Uh, it references them. Right. Yeah, it references, and they're all out of context. Singular verses, all three of them. Just referenced. <laughs> right. <laughs> I I don't even know what to make. So, you know, so this is, so I've got to, so I've got to do Father's will for my life. Mm-hmm. By running. By you've running. You've got to get running. Right. And if I'm experiencing attack, I need to bounce back is this physical or spiritual right yeah i don't know it just i mean honestly why not both oh okay okay R- right what yeah. if you're 80 you're 80 years old and you you know, fallen and you can't get up you mm-hmm. gotta run after father oh man that life alert button just stopped working <laughs> okay i feel like i've fallen and i can't get up <laughs> <laughs> and the prayer starter for today, I will not be ignorant of the devil's devices, but I refuse to give him more power over my life than he really has. Thank you for exposing the wicked one's schemes against my life. Please help me to push back the darkness that tries to cloud my mind, my will, and my emotions. Help me stand. Ha ha shake it amashte. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> parcel mouth there. Uh, oh, jeez. Wow. Do we need, <laughs> That's what that sounds like. Do we yeah. need to do a, a, um, like a real-time translation? No. Yeah, she, we'll just kind of leave it out there. I, that was parcel tongue. I don't speak that language. So. Okay. Right. Hallelujah. It's a glorious day. It's a day of victory. It's a day of breakthrough. Let me just tell you something. I can already feel it. I hadn't even started. It's a day of breakthrough. She can already feel it. Mm. Pray today. It's a glorious day. It's a day of victory. It's a day of payback. I said it's a glorious day. It's a day of victory. It's a day of payback. It's a glorious day. Uh, She's stuck on a loop or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we need to hit <laughs> the scratch. Re- hit, hit the record player a little bit. Maybe we'll jump to the next. <laughs> it's a day of victory. It's a day of payback. Praise God. Hallelujah. We give you all, all of our praise, all of the honor that's due your name, God. We lift you up. We. Okay. When did devotional materials in the charismatic movement cease to actually have biblical texts and have direct revelations replacing the word of God? Also, since when is this somehow honoring God? Right. She says we're honoring you, God, but we're speaking in parcel tongue and sound ridiculous. Whatever. Yeah, well, thanks for contributing significantly to this conversation. (laughs) I'm speechless, man. I don't know what to make of this. All right. Okay. So maybe what we need to do is switch it up and see if we can find something that makes a little bit more sense. But that's going to require us to do this. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. You can brush my hair. I'm just me everywhere. Imagination. Life is your creation. Barbie, let's go party. Barbie girl. So that can only mean one thing. We're going to head over to the <clears throat> the uh, video studios of Terry Savelle Foy and uh, check in with her as she's going to explain to us how satanic attacks actually reveal that uh, we are next up for a promotion. 
yeah, I think this goes right along with what we've been hearing from, um, well, Ryan Lestrange and Jennifer LeClaire. Let's check in. Here we go. Hey, you may be under the greatest attack you've ever been under. You may be facing the biggest battle you've ever faced. Let me explain to you why you're going through what you're going through. Okay. Satan always attacks those next in line for a promotion. I want to teach you how to fight for your dreams and win. All right, so I got to learn how to fight for my dreams and win. You know, every time I listen to Terry Savelfoy, I mean, the thing that just comes to my mind is how is any of this Christian? Yeah, I, you know, this idea of fighting for my dreams. I mean, is that what Peter and Paul and John and those guys did? I mean, if that if that I mean, if that was what they were going for, they failed miserably. Right. I they mean, they didn't do a very good job of fighting for their. No. No. I mean, you think of Peter crucified upside down, Paul lost mm-hmm. his head in Rome, mm-hmm. and John they tried to boil him in oil, and that didn't work, and then he was exiled to you know. Yeah, you, you kind of these these guys. There was no mention of them fighting for their dreams. Are you telling me that those weren't their dreams? No, I, I'm pretty – who has that as their dream? I'd like to be boiled in oil. Thanks. I mean, I'm maybe a masochist, but you – know, Right. Okay, so let's, let's head back, see if we can make any sense of this particular teaching. Hey, I'm Terry Savelle Foy, and you're watching Live Your Dreams. I pray that as you invest in yourself today, you're captivated and you're catapulted to live your dreams. In fact, I want to talk to you about resurrecting your dream, literally – How to fight for your dreams. You know, we all have things that we're believing for, that we're praying about. So, you know, like Jude 3, you know, uh, you know, contend for the dreams once delivered to the saints. (laughs) Resurrecting a dream and then fighting for them are two different things. If the dream's already dead, I mean, are you, you, I mean, yes, the resurrection, but either the fight for maybe it's still kicking. I I, I, I don't don't know. I don't know. Deep down inside, we know it's a part of our destiny. But then we get the opposition. We have setbacks and disappointments and frustrations. Maybe we didn't get the breakthrough we were praying for. Or we're believing God for a baby and another month goes by and we don't get pregnant. Or we didn't get a promotion or a raise or a scholarship or whatever. She did not. She did not just say what I think she just said. She actually just did say. So she's saying if you're not having babies and you want a baby... It's your fault because you're not dreaming hard enough. You're not fighting for you're, that you're not, dream hard right, you're enough. You're not fighting for it, yeah. That is so offensive. I agree. Yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. Okay. It is. Maybe it's a struggle with your weight and all these months are going by and you're not losing the weight. You're not getting the diagnosis you want. Right, I have a big, thin dream destiny that I need to fight for. A big, thin one? Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's it's a paradox of sorts. It's like jumbo shrimp, you know. <laughs> I have a jumbo shrimp. You have a jumbo shrimp dream? That's right, yes. As a way of burying our dreams. Yeah. But I want you to know that just because it looks hopeless doesn't mean it is hopeless. Okay. We serve the God of hope. But you have to fight for your dreams. You have to fight for what God has placed in your heart. Yeah, I get, I'm kind of like at a loss for like off the top of my head coming up with biblical text that talk this way. It sounds like nobody has a cross to bear. No. To hear her put it. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. In fact, if you're bearing a cross, you've done something wrong. How dare you bear a cross in my presence? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't dreaming big enough. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never throw in the towel. Okay. You know, in the sport of boxing, they have that phrase when a fighter has had enough, they throw in the towel. 
Well, that literally means to give up the struggle to quit the fight. Somebody once said, it's always too soon to give up. Well, don't ever give Satan the satisfaction of seeing you quit the fight, to throw in the towel. Fight the good fight of faith and determine that you're going to finish. I don't think fighting the good fight of faith is about my dreams. No. Don't let Satan see you come to peace with the things in your life like infertility. Are you terminally ill? Well, too bad. You should just fight for your dreams. You, oh, <laughs> You can't make peace with that because nope. that's giving in to Satan. That's right. And so apparently if you die, that's giving in the towel and God doesn't want you to do that. So stop dying. Yeah. Man. Don't give up. That means we have – like our world has a 99.999999% failure rate. How about that? Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Awful. All right. I think what I'm going to end up having to do here is pause and uh, go to our first break – and uh, when we come back, we'll check in back in with uh, Terry Savelle Foy, see if we can make heads or tails of what it is that she's saying. So far, it's not looking biblically good for her, but uh, we'll catch that on the other side. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MyerChristian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Quick break and we come back. A little more Terry Savelle Foy. Check in with Victoria Osteen, Larry and Tiz Huck. And don't forget Michael Brown, hour number two. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss him. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents... Church Day Select. God's word, I put on shows that do better on Broadway. Have you seen The Lion King? It'll be here on Sunday. He twists God's word, he puts on shows that do better on Broadway. Have you seen The Lion King? It'll be here on Sunday. He's a heretic and he's okay. He schemes all night and he lies all day. God's word, I take your tithe and spend it on private jets. Have you seen my bank account? It's bigger than yours, I'll bet. He twists God's word, he takes your tithe and spends it on private jets. Have you seen his bank account? It's bigger than yours, I'll bet. Okay. 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 Twist God's word, 
that I write bad books that will land you all in hell. I'll never say I'm sorry, cause I'll be there as well. He twists God's word, he writes bad books that will land us all in hell. Oh, Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Striving for Eternity and the Bible Thumping Wingnut are happy to announce the Judge Not Conference. August 11 and 12 in Amstead Falls, Ohio at Amstead Falls Baptist Church. Speakers include Phil Johnson, Mike Avendroth, Justin Peters, J.D. Hall, and Chris Roseborough. Also included is a debate at 7 p.m. on Friday on the topic of the charismatic gifts. Continuationism versus cessationism. You can register for the Judge Not Conference at judgenotconference.org. Don't miss this awesome opportunity and fellowship on the topic of apologetics and evangelism. Judge Not Conference, judgenotconference.org. Register today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that uh, all of this practical information about fighting Satan who's opposed to your dream destiny has nothing to do with the Bible. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you're going to see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute well, an amount that you choose. That's right. You get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey. And that's at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. Master Gunner, $49.95 a month. Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew, by the way, is a great way to support us and help us pay our bills. It gives us a level amount of money that we can count on month after month so we can budget properly, plan our next exploits. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, the way you do that is by clicking on the Donate button 
or you can do it the old-fashioned way. Make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. It's living into Elvis there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> we cannot do what we are doing here without it. <laughs> That's way too southern. Yeah, sorry. You know, yeah. I, my, you know I grew up, uh, you know, Opa's uh, family was in Memphis and, mm. and then, in, you know, also Atlanta. So I spent summers in the south. And every time when I would travel there, I'd come home with a <laughs> southern accent. <No. laughs> I, I guess I'm sympathetic to. That sounds terrifying. I know, I know. So I, I've repented though. So <laughs> gotta have some of that sweet tea. <laughs> That's right. You need if oh sweet tea. Oh, oh. So, it doesn't help me with my jumbo shrimp prophecy. No, no. <laughs> Let's. Uh, <laughs> sweet tea sounds like it'd go pretty good with jumbo shrimp, though. That's a good combo. Anything goes with sweet well, tea. Well, you know. So yeah. So. Except for Brussels sprouts, I'm just saying. But you know, okay. So let's <laughs> let's jump back over to uh, Terry Savelle Foyes. She explains to us you know, the satanic attacks and you know things like that. See if we can figure out wh- where she's coming from. Here we go. And here's what I want you to stay focused on. I open the broadcast with this, and I think it'll help you understand why you're going through what you're going through. I know it does me. Okay. Listen to this phrase. Satan always attacks those next in line for a promotion. Right. Always. 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 Yeah. 100% of the time guaranteed. So, so, so has your life been lit on fire like a dumpster fire? Good news. Good news. You are next in line for a promotion. Your ship gets hit by a torpedo. You got a big promotion coming your big, way. Big, big, big. Ginormous. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what if I'm like already the captain? You know, it's like, <laughs> oh man, you know, admiral. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, admiral. Yeah, yeah. See, I th- I'm I'm liking this idea here. <laughs> I, I, you're casting a compelling vision. <laughs> okay, let's... it's the compelling mantle, uh, right? The, it's it's the admiral mantle. Admiral so. mantle. Right. Okay. All right. Lord. Let's come back here. We'll repeat that. Satan always attacks those next in line for a promotion. In fact, I taught this message on fighting for your dreams and actually preached it in a boxing ring at our icing women's event. Wow, that means it must be true. She preached it in a boxing ring. That means it has to be true. Trained for four years in the octagon. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! So I mean, she's preparing. You know, she maybe she's wanting to challenge somebody for a you know in a sermon cage fight. I vote for Mike Tyson. That's oh wait, a good never idea. mind. Yeah, so we'll have to. We'll see if we can find somebody to put Terry Savelle. We haven't done one of those in a while, but oh. she's itching for a cage fight. That's right. And she preached the sermon in a in a in a boxing ring. Right. Boxing exactly. Ring. I'm sure that didn't cost any money at all. You know. No. Let's continue. And what I did was I was paralleling what happens with boxers before they ever get in the ring with what happens to us when we get in the ring with our enemy to fight for our dreams. And I use this little acronym that spells the word TRAIN, T-R-A-I-N. In other words, before a boxer ever places one foot in that ring, he has to do some things. He has to train. Well, the T stood for train with a good coach. In other words, who's speaking into your life? Because who's speaking into your life is vital to your success. I I need a coach to help me fight for my dreams. Who's your dream coach? (laughs) This sounds costly. (laughs) Did you catch that her acronym, the first first thing in her acronym is 
the word that she's actually spelling out? Yeah. She, train. The first word is train. train. Right. Mm. Okay. We, let's continue. The R stood for it requires intense focus. You've heard that phrase, the only reason men fail is broken focus. And then the A st- I had not heard that that's one. That's the only reason. <laughs> that's the only bro- reason. That is the only Yeah, that's reason. right. You got some serious broken focus. <laughs> You're not trying hard enough. You got to fight you for your dreams, man. Broke your focus. Yeah. Oh, man. Goodness. For always be aware of your weaknesses. Yeah. You know, your opponent, the devil, he's studying your weaknesses just like boxers study each other. I'm pretty sure he's already got me dialed in there. <laughs> just, just saying. The <laughs> it's not a very long study. Intimidate your opponent. Oh, I'm going yeah. to intimidate the devil. Oh. <laughs> Look at look at me! Look how it, I'm gonna make myself huge! I am the Lord of Darkness! Oh, you scare me! <laughs> <laughs> go away! Go away! <laughs> it, this is ridiculous. Okay, let's uh, just continue here. Each one, but in other words, the most powerful tool that you have to intimidate the devil. It's right here. It's the words of your mouth. And then, of course, the end. The words of my mouth. Oh. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's kryptonite, man. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. So what was it that Jesus was doing in the in the wilderness when he was confronted by the devil? It, it was the word of God. Oh. You know, when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, it wasn't even a fight. And Jesus, like, quotes, like, Deuteronomy. Yeah. You know, who quotes Deuteronomy? You know, the devil was defeated by Deuteronomy. Yeah, exactly. And not, the, not my words. No, no. I mean, I, I mean, my words. I mean, I think of like going through a drive-thru and ordering a double bacon cheeseburger. I mean, I don't think that's going to do anything to intimidate the devil. Right. I'm speaking, devil. No. Good <laughs> <laughs> for like never throwing the towel. Never, it's never. always too soon to give up. Uh, yeah. You notice the supreme lack of biblical backing for all of this. You always need to know where your towel is. You know, kind of the weird throwing the towel. Right, right. That's oh. right. That you definitely always need a towel. Exactly. Right. And but and, don't throw it in. And make sure that you have the the book with the friendly yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> yeah, that was um, ironically. The, it, this is supposed to train you how to fight the devil. But I think the message she was giving would probably put you under the devil's control even more. You know, so. Like yeah. one of those Chinese finger trap thingies, you know. <laughs> you can't get, yeah. It's just like, that's what this is. This is a theological Chinese finger trap. Mm. But <laughs> I even, like that analogy. But even less clever. <laughs> <laughs> and even more difficult to get out of. Right? <laughs> I, I had to use scissors one time, but, you know. And I couldn't use them with my fingers because they were stuck. So I had to, you know, had to find a way to kind of, you know. Anyway, it, it was not a pretty picture. <laughs> <laughs> nobody was around. <laughs> help! I'm stuck. <laughs> help! Help! <laughs> All right, I, let's let's uh, let's move along. We need to change it up a little bit here. We got a uh, an Osteen update, so we got to do this. When I'm feeling lonely, sad as I can be, all by myself in uncharted island in an endless sea. What makes me happy fills me up with glee. Those bones in my jaw that don't have a flaw, my shiny teeth and me. My shiny teeth that twinkle just like the stars in space. My shiny teeth that sparkle and beauty to my face. My shiny teeth that glisten just like the Christmas tree. You know the walk a mile just to see me smile. Woo! 
shiny teeth and me. Yeah, all right, that can mean only one. <laughs> You're doing the backup vocals on like that. Shiny teeth, shiny teeth. <laughs> okay, we're heading over to Lakewood, and we're going to be checking in with uh, Victoria Osteen, who's preaching about tea lights. Uh. Right, you know, I'm sure this is biblical-ish. Bible flavored or something like that. Let, let's check in with her. Here we go. And you may be seated. So good to have you in the house of the Lord. Y'all sound amazing. So I was buying some fertilizer in the in the garden store the other day. When I- it's a weird way to start a sermon. I I think that that is going to give us a clue about where this is going. Yeah, it was about so fertilizer is mm-hmm. where this begins, and that's probably where it's going to end too. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just saying. All right, steeped in it, steeped in it. Okay, so and I came across these cute little solar lights. They are cute, by the way. I I, I think they're cute. And I was looking at the different styles they had, and I thought these are so cute, and I have the perfect place to put these lights. Yeah, and her multi-bazillion dollar mansion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. She totally did this by herself, didn't hire anybody to do this. Right. Yeah, the right. servants didn't do this one. No. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. There's a place at our side back door. When you walk out, you begin to walk a, a, a down this little path, and you can't see anything. It's so dark. I don't have any electricity out there. So I thought these solar lights will be perfect to place along that path so that we can see at night. Because I'm always stumbling trying to stay on the little path. So I took the lights, put them in the ground. It was a beautiful sunny day. I thought these lights are going to power up. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to take a walk tonight, see how my lights are working. So I didn't say anything to Joel about it, but I said, Hey, let's go take a walk. So we went outside, started to go down that little path. I wanted to see if he noticed my new lights. So as we started walking down the path, I realized my lights weren't working. I didn't say anything to Joel because I didn't want him to know that I had put lights there and my, my plan had failed. So I just kept walking down the path. But in my mind, I was so discouraged. I thought, now ah, I thought those lights were just going to work beautifully. They're solar lights. This is literally the whole, this is forming the basis of this entire sermon. It, yeah, I, my question is, would it be out of place for me to ask if this could be considered a blonde moment? Just, just, you know, just, you know. <laughs> is she blonde? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, just, you know, I just asking. Okay. I thought, you know what? Tomorrow I'm taking those lights up and I'm marching them straight back to the store and I'm going to tell them they're cute, but they don't work. They're no good to me if they don't work. So the next morning I got up and I took the lights out and I started looking at how, how it was and I, I began to kind of examine it and I noticed under the bottom in the corner was this little bitty tab. I thought, I've seen this before. You're supposed to pull the tab so that, what is it? Yeah, that actually confirms. So I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, if she had read the instructions, she would have known this. But, of course, if she had read her Bible, she wouldn't be preaching this at all. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, that's, a, that's a valid point. I'm, I'm with you. Inside the light can be illuminated by the sun. That's what gives it the power. Yeah. So I thought, oh, wow, okay. So I went and I pulled all the tabs, put them back down. Thought tonight is the night. Yeah. Got Joel, wanted him to come take a walk with me so he would notice my lights. And sure enough, they were shining brightly. They illuminated my path. Now, Joel wasn't as impressed with my lights as I was. 
but they were working perfectly once I figured out to pull the tab so that they could be powered by the sun. I feel an application coming. I, yeah, I'm just saying. I Read the instruction manual. And, well, okay, so maybe we should start taking wagers at this point. You know, there's, there is a law application here based upon Victoria Osteen's, well, revelation as a result of her solar-powered tea light experience. You've got to let the light into your life. Into yourself or something. Okay. Um, you can't I, be a solar-powered light if you don't, you know, let the light in. All right. I'm going to go with <laughs> God's word is a lamp to our feet, maybe? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you, yeah, right. You seem skeptical. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a good guess. Go I on. mean, you know, okay, let's, let's see. You see, we're very much like those solar lights. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the only way to be activated is to have a pull tab. I mean, is, is that the umbilical cord? I don't know. I, oh, I'm, I'm like a solar powered tea light. Um, I need sustenance. I don't need the sunlight. Okay, I, okay, this is weird. We have to pull our tab. That means rem- what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Could you imagine a small group Bible study based upon this story? Is so, that like is that like pull your finger? No, 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 no. See, yeah, see you, you, you went you went there. Okay, <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> there are some in the audience who are now going. I can't believe she said that. She's betrayed our kind. Anyway. <laughs> So, it's got about as much substance as that statement does. Yeah, but I mean, I want you to think about this. Imagine yourself like next Tuesday. Um, you know, you're 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 back at home, and you guys decide you're going to go to a small group Bible study, and it's the Victoria Osteen Tea Light Bible Study, and it's got application questions at the end of it. So you watch Victoria Osteen tell this story, and then you get to the you know, the small group participation questions. And and so the uh, participation question number one, have you pulled the tab in your life yet? Well, no, the first question is, what are some of the tabs in your life? That need pulling? What? Because it's different for everybody. What are the ones in your life? Well, this one inflates my life vest. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you, but you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it, could you imagine adult conversation around the story? You know, what, what, what pull tabs do you feel like you need to be pulling in your life so that you can be a you, activated, you can be activated. <laughs> Is this a prophetic activation? All right, let me, let's keep going. Move anything in our life that would block us from allowing the sun, the S O N to shine on us. There are people applauding oh, this pablum. Wow. This is uh, like transcended a, into dad joke territory. Oh, that's, that's so clever. <laughs> oh. You turned Jesus into the sun and oh. I'm a solar light. It, it's, a, it's a homophone. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you see, we have something on the inside of us and it is the seed of God. What? Now she's mixing metaphors. That sounds um, really weird. Okay, yes, so I have, yes, Sancho Panza. I, I have the seed of God on the inside of me. And when we allow his presence to shine on us, when we do all we can do to bask in his presence, get more of him, we... Okay, so I need to go out onto the spiritual chaise lounge and bask in... 
Is his light gonna gonna make the seed inside of you grow? Uh, maybe, maybe. My What's question the, is, if water? I'm supposed to bask in the light of the sun, do I need to wear sunscreen? Probably. Yeah, because I I, I I I burn easy, you know. So you know, I, I don't want to get skin cancer. No. We are also illuminated. See, we weren't meant to stumble around in the darkness. We weren't meant to not know the way to go. So I. Am I am my own light? God says that we were meant to shine like stars in the universe. Yeah, that's, but we've got that's eschatological. You know that that's actually after Christ returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. I mean, seriously, could you imagine if I like all of a sudden started shining? It would bother my wife at night when she's trying to sleep. <laughs> You know, how impractical is this? Does that make you radioactive? I think that... Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what do you need to pull in your life so that you can glow in the dark? It's a pirate nightlight. <laughs> <laughs> Ugliest nightlight I mean, ever. I mean, honestly, you're, e- you're either like luminescence is either created by, you know, the breakdown of actual matter, like emitting light... Or you're literally so hot, you're literally, you know, that's a form of luminescence. Now, you've gone way too scientific here. So, literally, know. it's either you're so hot that you're emitting light or that you're radioactive. I think you're putting way more thought into this yeah, than yeah, Victoria that, ever listen, did. that was so hot, it's cold. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, there's no other, There's no good way. There's no nothing good that, I, way I, to do I, this. I don't even understand how the seed thing works here. I, I, she, I don't you, know. I, I'm not getting that. How to allow the S-O-N to shine in our life. See, just like that tab, we've got to remove anything that's stopping the light from shining on us. Yeah, no, listen, lady, um, the tab didn't didn't stop the sunlight. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to pull this tab. We have these in our yard, okay? (laughs) So the tab, what it did is it made it so that the battery wouldn't run out while it was at Lowe's. Okay, so pulling the tab made it so that the battery had contact, you know, with the, you know, the mechanism so that it can, yeah, it, it wasn't keeping sunlight off of oh, it. Oh, gosh. I have a tree in my backyard, and it's about 10 inches wide. It's a pretty, pretty big tree. Does it have a tab But it's so too? strange because the tree grows at an angle. And I look at that tree, and I think, that is so weird. One day I was out. No, what's weird is that she's preaching about what biblical text have we gotten so far? Uh, Talking to my yard man, and I said, This tree grows so funny. And he said, Well, Victoria, the reason this tree is growing at an angle is because there are so many shrubs and other trees around it trying to crowd out its light. This tree is literally struggling to try to grow towards the light. You see, the tree is doing its best to survive. It knows that it grows in the light. So it's struggling to get to the light. <laughs> wow. Come into the light. Powerful. Yeah, I mean, this, this is... Uh, wow, yeah. Don't look at the light. I can't help it. It's so beautiful. Yeah, this is so profound. She's even fast asleep. <laughs> Are some of you today struggling to get through the light because you've allowed too many things to crowd your life? Maybe busyness is crowding your life from the light. Maybe you have some friends that are covering your life and it's not allowing the light to shine on it because they don't have the same values. 
maybe you have a what? you have a preacherette who okay. preaches darkness. Okay, Ooh. this 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 metaphor has this doesn't work at all. Like yes, the friends are the one crowding your lights. What happens when you have other shrubs or trees that are crowding a? Yeah, but you, you, you cut right. you cut them down, right? Like, do you want, want us to murder our friends? Is I mean, this yeah, you got to pull that tab. Yeah, right? you got to pull the tab. Oh, you got to yeah. pull that yeah, tab. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a grenade. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, this will make all my friends go away. <laughs> <laughs> that you have, they don't understand the importance of being in the house of God, of prayer, of worship. But you keep going back to those friends because they've been friends for a long time. Yeah, I'm thinking the friends aren't the problem here. I'm, I'm thinking it's the pastor, Ix. You see, that yard man said if you'll prune away some of these bushes, if you'll make some room. That's right, there get rid is. of your friends. There it is, there it is. Yeah, no, really, you need to get rid of your pastor. If this <laughs> Boom, for the light to come in, this tree will literally quit struggling and it'll... It may just it may just straighten up and go straight up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you guys straighten up. Straighten up. Ah. Um, okay. I I think my brain has uh, reached the capacity of that. Let's uh, move on to our next segment here. Don't want no loving. Don't want no kissing. Don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the Hall of Fame. Just want a big fat pile of money. money. Give me that almighty dollar. Well, then let us hear me holler. Give me buckets full of ducats. Let me walk around and waller in Mazuma. El Dinero, wanna be a millionaire. Give me money, 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 money. I want that green ammunition. That's the stuff for which I'm wishing. Fill my closets with deposits. I'm a demon in addition. Give me shekels, give me pesos. Let me see their smiling faces. Money, 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 money. Get me a suit that's made out of loot and whistle the word and green. I got that monetary itis like speeches like King Midas. Want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially and is some I can inveigle. Want a living regal splendor for that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. Yeah, that could mean only one thing. Time to check in with a money-grubbing televangelist. And I can't think of anybody more money-grubbing than uh, Larry and Tiz Huck. And uh, we're going to be checking in with their recent teaching on their television program titled A Kingdom Divided. Here's Larry Huck to set it up. Here we go. What if I were to tell you that there was a spirit, or literally, according to the Bible, there was a curse... That was blocking the breakthrough mm. that you've been waiting for. I think we need to call the authorities and have you looked at. Is that the tab? We got to pull the tab. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a spirit, a curse oh. that's blocking the breakthrough. The sneaky mm. tab spirit. Mm. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm. Mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, she the, sounds like she's that, back there eating a bar of chocolate. Yeah, mm. I know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Oh, yeah. Just made the the yummy sound. Yeah. (laughs) Because of something you did, but something that was done maybe even 2,000 years ago. Well, stay with us. We're going to teach you how to not only break the curse, but reverse the curse because your best is yet to come. All right. So they're going to reverse the curse. 
Because the best is yet to come. Is he saying that the crucifixion was a curse? No, I'm not sure. I think he was maybe talking about bloodline curses or something like that. But the good news is a while back we had Katie Sousa explain that we can time travel to fix those things. So <laughs> Let me just get my DeLorean out. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, she can do it right directly from the spirit kind of thingy. Oh. Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, no I think you kind of get the uh, no, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no evidence. Yeah, who needs that? All right, let's uh, check back in with uh, Larry and Tiz, see what they have to say here. One of the reasons why we really feel like God spoke yeah. to Tiz and I to teach on this today yeah. is to break every yeah. curse. You know, I love the yes. teaching, Tiz, that we're in this world, yes. but we're not of this right. world. And right. so I'm going to teach something the next month. On what exactly does that have to do with anything? We're in the world, but not of the world. Right, yeah. Mm. What is it with televangelists and breaking things? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no matter who's in the White House who, yeah. or who's on in Washington yes, or, who's right. on, or who's on first. You know. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> What's on Wall second? Street. Amen. We know who's on the throne. Yes, absolutely. But, and, and that literally our best, the yeah. most exciting times yes. in the history of the Bible is right Amen. now. But we have got to break the yes. curses yes. that are blocking the blessing. Now, let me. Right. Yeah. How, how much do you want to bet that in order to break the curse that's blocking the blessing, that I probably should send money to Larry and Tiz Huck for, uh, you know, to break those curses. Yeah, that'd probably do it. Were they saying that there's stuff that's going on now that's in the Bible? Like, yeah, I mean, they, what, they, yeah, the book of they, First Millennial? Yeah, First Millennials <laughs> chapter 2. This is the most two. exciting time in the Bible right, right, right now. Right, right yeah, now. Right, that's what they yeah. said, yeah. Good catch. The scripture to you. And I wish there was another word right. instead of yeah. curse because right. it's that sounds so medieval right, or so right. uh, Hollywood or something. Yes. But God's word says, I place before yeah. you life yes. or death, right. blessings or curses. Amen. So that's Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, out of context. Wow. I, you know what's so fun? I, I, I want you to think about this. How much Bible have we actually heard in the first hour today. Oh, I gosh. think that's the first bit. That's the first time we've actually yeah. been able to do some comparative work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, if you do not know the context of Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, the end of Deuteronomy is kind of like the rereading of the Mosaic Covenant. And uh, since the Mosaic Covenant was a true old-fashioned Cicerin covenant, um, it included blessings and curses uh, for the different participants. If God if God didn't do his part, there were curses. If the people of Israel didn't do their part, there were curses. If they did their part, there were blessings. And so Deuteronomy 30, 19, out of context, um, it, it says this, I call down heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. But see, this is in a context of a restating of the uh, the Mosaic Covenant. So um, so if we back it up just a wee bit, um, we'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, see if we can a- apply our three rules for sound biblical exegesis, which are context, context, and context. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us to bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. No, but the word is very near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set to set before you today 
life and good, death and evil, if you obey the commandments of Yahweh your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and Yahweh your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away... And you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish, and you shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live for... Uh, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. All right, straightforward, covenant talk. And uh, and the Mosaic covenant is not a grace covenant, is a works covenant. Important, important to note that. So, I mean, that's what's in play there, but I don't feel like um, we're going to get a real exegesis here. I mean, I can, I can kind of feel it. Place your bets, place your bets. Yeah, okay. Choose life. Yes. And, and what we're going to show you is that, and, and this is why I'm so excited about it, is, is w- when you hear what we're going to teach today and the next month, it's going to break a ceiling that's Amen. been keeping you down yep. Yep. and bring us into... Is that like the glass ceiling? <laughs> the stained glass ceiling? Yeah, yeah, the stained glass ceiling that's been keeping you down. But they're going to break that. Yeah. Mm. What we believe 100% is the latter rain, yes. is the end time transfer of wealth. Right. And in order to... in order The end times transfer of wealth. You, you, want, you want to get in on that. I'm telling you, you know, now's the time. What he's saying is... Please transfer your wealth to us. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he means. You to to walk in the harvest that God has yeah. for us. We got to kill the weeds, that's, and I'll tell that yep. story. Right. So you got to kill the weeds if you want to walk in the harvest. I wish she would let him get a word in. <laughs> After every word, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. So wait, we have to break the the glass ceiling in order to you know pick up the weeds. Yeah. So we know we got to kill the weeds for the harvest, so that we can break the curses. That's yeah, but, but how do we how do we weed anything if there's a ceiling on just top? Just write this? a check. That's all you got to oh, do. Just, yeah, that's how you yeah, do this. Yeah. Right. Kill the weeds that's choking out the harvest. Exactly. But let me give you a scripture. It's in Proverbs 26, verse two. Mm-hmm. Listen what God's word said: mm-hmm. Like a flying sparrow, yeah. like a, f- a fleeting sparrow, mm-hmm. so a curse without a cause shall not yeah. come. Yeah. Now. Wait, what? A, a curse. A curse, a curse, a curse without a cause. A rebel without a cause. A curse. Does your curse not have a cause? Okay, <laughs> what on earth? Buy curses with causes now. Okay, let, let's see if we can figure this out. Okay, like snow in summer or rain in a harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless, causeless does not alight. Okay, so, all right, so what is he going to do with this? What, what that's talking about is, you know, you look at migration of birds. We yeah. saw birds migrating over us the <laughs> right. other day at our house. Hundreds and hundreds of these birds migrating. Yeah. If you put in tea lights, though, and you pull the tab, they can actually come in for a landing on your right. walkway. But, but they, which are they, African or European? Right, yeah. <laughs> they get from point A right. to point B. Yeah. There's something yeah. inside of them yeah. that guides them. Mm. Birds don't have a, a GPS unit. Right. Birds don't have a map. There's something in them that gets them from here to there. This is exactly what God's word is saying. 
like a bird who's guided by something yeah. inside, mm. a curse without a cause right. does not come. In yeah. other words, it's not just bad luck. Right. You know, um, a couple. <laughs> what on? I'm I'm not tracking here. Uh, me neither. No, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm not the only one. I don't have bird GPS. I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. Months ago, um, th there was major shootings in our community. Police officers yes. being shot, and everywhere you look, people mm. were saying, "What is happening mm. to our country? Yeah. What's happening?" And it was a bunch of causeless curses, you know. Are these guys down in Texas? I don't, yeah. You know, one of the things that we want to give you is oh. not just a gift. I, I think this teaching, A Kingdom Divided, yes. is one of the greatest Absolutely. revelations God has yes. given me. You, you, When you hear yeah. the Hebrew understanding of a kingdom divided, yeah. of of loving your enemy, doing right. it, it's, it's an amazing thing. Why do I feel like... None of this is making any sense. We're like all over the map here. It's non sequitur after non sequitur. Yes. Got to get this. But it, so it by the product, we got that. brings us to the point that Satan is trying to destroy the world. Right. How <laughs> has he gotten a foothold? Yeah. And here's where we want to take you a curse without a cause shall not come. Mm -hmm. Now, we look at the world right now, we look at America right now and, and, and all over the world. And we are in the. This is like pseudo profundity. Yeah. I, I, yeah. This. Wow. Serious, the most chaotic place yeah. that I think the world has Absolutely. ever been. Yeah. And yet there is. Y yet this teaching is so chaotic. Wait, did he say that America yeah. in the world right now yeah, is, is the most chaotic place in the world? I, I yeah, that, I think he said that. I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that means what he thinks it means. Well, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. I, yeah. It, it, again, this is like pseudo profundity. He's not actually saying anything except for by the product. Yeah. An answer. And it's found right in the Word of God. Amen. The Bible says, now listen to me, it's so simple. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 concerning Israel. Right. I will, God says, yeah. I will bless those right. who bless you. Is so now we're going to play the nation of Israel card. So are you blessing Israel enough? That's like how you pull the tab on this thing. Israel. <laughs> yep. And I will... Curse those who curse you, mm. Israel. Now look at me. Look, listen to me. God says, I place before you life yeah. or death. Life to our family, life to our nation, life to our finances, life to our economy, whatever. Right. I place uh, is this really heading in the direction I think it's so bless Israel or God will kill you? Or you life. Yeah. Or I place before you death. Mm. I place before you blessings. Wow. Yeah. And I place before you curses. Man. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it's up to you. Yeah. Okay. Which part? I mean, wow. it's yeah. up to me. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so tie that in with God concerning Israel. Yeah. And he says... Concerning Israel, those who curse Israel mm. will become cursed. Right. Now, remember. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So if you so bless Israel or 
God's or gonna, die. You're gonna die. <laughs> yes, one one thing: bless Israel or die. This is the two option. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So uh, that means kind of a mean tattoo: bless Israel or die. You know? <laughs> yeah. Bless Israel, one thousand year gulag. <laughs> <laughs> a curse without a cause doesn't come. It's not accidental. Mm. Yeah. This where the world is right now. Yeah. Is not- I think people are probably watching this going, I better buy the product so that I can figure out what he's saying. Buy now and receive a free decoder ring. <laughs> I don't understand. Whatever translation he's using, that sentence just doesn't even he's make He's connecting sense. two verses that are not actually the se- dealing with the same oh, topic. Okay. So the blessings and curses that are talked about in Deuteronomy have to deal with the blessing and curses of the Mosaic yeah. Covenant. Mm-hmm. And then the blessing and cursing of the Abrahamic Covenant, that's a whole other thing altogether. It sounds like An a really accidental... Bad movie. Oh, really bad a, what? This sounds like a really bad movie trailer. This summer. <laughs> <laughs> it's bless a, Israel or die. Bless Israel or die. Curse without a cause. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody right now is going, oh, that's going to make a great movie. Curse without a cause. Yeah. Starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh. Starring Kirk Cameron as Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, sign me up. <laughs> oh, man. Let's, let's keep going. Right. It's a result of how the world responds yes. to Israel. Yes. I will curse those who curse yes. Israel. And I will bless those who bless Israel. Yeah. And and I'm going to get in detail on that. But tis, that's why I'm saying, you know, uh, I vote, I pray, yeah. but I'm not really as concerned as who's in the White House yeah. as I am of who's on the throne. What on earth does the White House have to do oh with any God. of this? Oh, my God. This is so bizarre. And, this, and, right. and whoever's right. on the throne is Jesus yes. Christ. And I'm following his leading. I'm following Amen. his teaching. And I yeah. know if I... Bl- Okay, yeah, I. This, <laughs> in, improvisational artists in on Saturday Night Live do a better job of coming up with basically pseudo profound sounding. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've gotten to the point where my brain is literally going like this. <laughs> brain is melting. Cannot, cannot process. Mm, yeah. mm, so the yeah. moral of the Amen. story is: send your money to Larry and Tiz Huck. Mm, Amen. Mm, yeah. The pro- yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Bork. 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 Anyway. I mean, I wow, couldn't make heads or tails out of mm. any of that. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're up on our second break here. Let's do that now. I'm turning off your microphone. Uh, If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can email me. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pyre Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're heading back in time to the uh, Brownsville Revival to listen to Michael Brown on Holy Desperation. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? 
Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. Going back to the Brownsville Revival. Weird thing, Yonggi Cho, I mean, he prophesied that that would be going on all the way until Jesus' return. And guess what? It's not going on anymore. So uh, let's get this right. Hey, ho! We've got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon uh, comes to us via the Brownsville Revival. Michael Brown presiding. Name of the message is Holy Desperation. Holy Desperation. We're just going to be doing some doctrinal fact-checking to see if the messages that were being preached there at the Brownsville Revival actually jive with what God's Word says. You know, we found out last week, Jensen Franklin, when he preached there, yeah, not so much. It seems a weird thing. Everybody that I review uh, from the Brownsville Revival, they don't seem to be preaching things that, you know, align with the, the Word of God. Which makes you just go, hmm, hmm, I wonder why that is. And why is it it's still not going on because Jesus hasn't returned yet? And Yonggi Cho gave a prophecy that, you know, hey, well, you kind of get the idea. So let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here is Michael Brown and his sermon, Holy Desperation. Here we go. Before I get into the message... I want to say something very clearly to everyone here. All of us in ministry are used to preaching and teaching and opening up the word and bringing something fresh from God. But there are times when God speaks with special urgency to us. There are times of unusual clarity and force that the spirit moves on us. The prophet Ezekiel, when God got hold of him... In Ezekiel, the third chapter, God told him, I'm going to make your tongue cleave to the roof of your mouth. 
Why? Well, Ezekiel was in the midst of a sinful people and he had seen the glory of the Lord. And it would be very easy for him to constantly be rebuking his people. He had seen the glory. He knew the sin of his people. The burden was great. It would be very easy for him always to be speaking out of his own heart and not speaking what God wanted to say. So his tongue cleaved to the roof of his mouth until the fall of Jerusalem in 586. And the only time he could speak was when the Lord moved on him. Picture over visiting Ezekiel. He's a dear friend. He doesn't say much, but you enjoy his company. And you're over there, and you're just sitting there, maybe visiting with his wife before she went to be with the Lord. And Ezekiel's maybe nodding, and you're asking him some things, and you're feeling okay today, Ezekiel? Been having a good time with the Lord? The Lord showing you anything? Maybe you're back there the next day, another week, another week. Now, note, he's not actually preaching anything from Ezekiel. We're just kind of engaging in imagination here. Suddenly he looks up and says, this is what the Lord says. I tell you, that would get your attention. Now, one time we had some friends over at our home. My dear wife, Nancy, is sitting here and she'll verify the story. Of course, if she knew what I was about to say, she'd ask me not to, but that's one of the advantages of having the microphone. You do it and pay for it later. <laughs> but some people were over at our home one time, and they wanted to know if God had spoken to me about a particular thing. Has God shown me anything? That they really wanted to so know? notice uh, he's now comparing himself to Ezekiel. How pious of him. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what he just did there. That's exactly what he did. Okay. Did the Lord speak anything to me about this particular matter? And I said, well, no, he hasn't, but I'll give you my opinion. And Nancy turned to me and said, who cares about your opinion? And I said, you have to take that in context. We all have opinions and we exchange opinions all the time. But when someone comes and says, has God spoken anything to you? They're not asking for your opinion. I want to tell you tonight, I'm not giving you my opinion. God has spoken to me, and I have a message. All right, so he's going to give us a message that God has spoken to him. Mm. This is not he, his opinion. No, no, this is this is direct. This goes all the way to the top. I want from the top. I want me some proof. Yeah, this is, and he's Ezekiel. And any time we open the word, we have the word, we have the message. Any time we accurately present what God has said in his word, then we are preaching the word. But I want to tell you tonight that God's given me a specific application and a specific word for the revival, for the school of ministry, for the church here, for the visitors, for those who are hungry and thirsty. God wants to speak to you. And you're going to get the title of the message very easily. In fact, you'll memorize it right now. It helps memorization when you repeat something out loud. So for those of you who struggle memorizing even two words, we're going to help and we're going to say it out loud together. And it'll be written in your mind and in your heart. Say with me, holy desperation. desperation. Alright, Genesis chapter 32. I don't know exactly which way 
We're going to be ending things tonight. I don't know exactly how God is going to move. I su- right. We're not sure how the, this plane or where this plane is going to land, but God will no. reveal that eventually. Don't worry. It'll land. It'll land. Okay. Yeah, they'll beat the paramedics by half an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know the direction that he's pointed me and what the end results will be. But if you're here with special needs, we will be praying for everyone. If you're sick and you need prayer, we'll be praying for the sick. If you need a fresh touch from God, we'll be praying for those who need a fresh touch. If you're away from God, if you're dealing with sin, you'll have an opportunity to get right with God. If someone brought you in here and there's a stirring going on, you'll have an opportunity to meet God tonight. But I just want you to open your hearts wide and let the wind of the Spirit guide us the way He wants us to go. Amen? Genesis 32 tells us the account about Jacob preparing to meet his brother Esau. Jacob was a man that lived in two different dimensions. On the one hand, he... What? (laughs) The Time Lord. (laughs) He lives in two different dimensions. Everybody else, no, but him, yeah. That's that's Nick Summer's blockbuster movie starring Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. A curse without a cause. <laughs> In the second dimension. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> oh, my word. God, and he was a worshiper of God, and he depended on God. On the other hand, he was a conniver. He was a guy that could make a way when there seemingly was no way. And sometimes it seemed it was the flesh opening the door, and sometimes God opening the door, and sometimes it seemed to be kind of a mixture. But always when it seemed that there was no solution, he'd find one. Just like many of us. Just like many of us in ministry. We know how to depend on God. But then there's maybe some confidence in our method or our program or our ability or something in us. Or our history or what's happened up to now. And some of us that haven't crucified some areas of the flesh even know how to connive and break the laws without really breaking the laws. You don't have to say amen to it, otherwise you just convict it yourself. And you may be sitting next to a policeman. But Jacob is about to come to a turning point in his life, so much so that his name is actually going to change. Signifying that he's now a new man with a new destiny. Mm -hmm. Let's take bets on where this is going. (laughs) Do you have the same kind of holy desperation that Jacob had so that God can change your name? Just taking bets, you know. (laughs) Just, we continue. He had parted ways with his brother Esau 20 odd years before. And the last words he heard from Esau were words of anger that Esau wanted Jacob dead. He thought, My dad's old, our father is old. When he dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. Jacob has stolen my birthright and stolen my blessing. I'm going to kill him. That's the last he knows. Now Jacob with his family, with his wives, with his concubines, with his children, with a massive army of flocks and herds, but not a lot of manpower. Animals, livestock, women, children. Not a lot of manpower. Jacob has to cross through Esau's region. 
Jacob also went on his way, verse 1, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God, so he called that place Machnayim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir in the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goat, men servants and maid servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that I, might find, that I may find favor in your eyes. Jacob is trying through natural means to appease Esau and to humble himself so that Esau will let him through and let his family through. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. This means trouble. Within a day, Jacob's family could all be killed. Within a day, from the youngest child right through to his wives, they could be dead. Or Jacob could be killed and they could be taken to be wives of others and slaves and servants of others. So Jacob hatches a plan. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups in the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. He's still thinking in the natural. He's still hatching a plan. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I'll make you prosper. In other words, you're the one that's telling me to go back, God. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me. And also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spends the night there and he divides up all the animals, all the family. And he's got this huge entourage of gifts and gifts and gifts and animals and every possible thing to appease Esau, to appease Esau. So that by the time Esau gets to him, he'll have made peace. Verse... 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Abok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Stop there. No matter what Jacob had figured out and planned, something must have struck him that it's probably going to fall short. After all, Esau's been burning with anger and vengeance for 20 years. There's been no communication, and now he's coming with 400 men. And maybe Jacob went through every possible scenario. Have you ever been in financial straits, and, and you work out, this money's coming from here, this is coming from here, I can borrow from here, I can cash in this CD, I can do this and that, and then you put it all on the table, and we're still going to fall short. You ever been traveling somewhere and you've got to catch a connection? It's urgent that you get to a particular place and you look at your watch and you think, all right, if we drive this fast, get here, get here. All right, we've got to accelerate. We've got to do this. And then you realize there's no way it's going to work. 
Well, this was life and death, and now Jacob is just where God wants him to be. He can't depend on any of his human ingenuity. He can't depend on his past experience. He can't depend on his fast-talking ability. He can't depend on anybody else. He's alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, said his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. I want to say some things to you and then talk to you about holy desperation. Um, yeah, you're going to note here that, you know, God showed up. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's literally how this happens. I mean, you got Jacob praying and he's by himself. God shows up, literally yeah. shows up. So, I mean, I mean, this is, this is an amazing theophany that we have going on here. And uh, so I, I think the holy desperation thing doesn't quite fit because I don't see any real holy desperation. I mean, after wrestling with God all night, and this would be Jesus, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That's not really an example of, quote, unquote, holy desperation. You know, it might be I've bested you, say, uncle. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, that might be a more legitimate way of looking at this. So, all right, let's continue. Many people here in Brownsville, in our school of ministry, visitors, friends, guests from around the world have been crying out to God for the fires of revival to intensify. We've rejoiced in all the good things that God has done, but we become hungry and we become thirsty. And things that used to satisfy, I don't mean the presence of God because that always satisfies. I don't mean seeing sinners converted because that always satisfies. But things that we used to say, this is wonderful, this is enough, now leave us with an empty feeling in the pit of our stomachs. They now leave us with a feeling of God, if this is it, something's wrong. Mm, Kind of the law of diminishing returns when it comes to emotionalism. Mm -hmm. That's how I would interpret that. And and remember, this is not his opinion. No, no, God told him this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. They leave us with a feeling there's got to be more. It's almost like another awakening within an awakening. Another recognition. A dweeb within a dweeb. <laughs> Dreamception. Yeah, yeah, that's right. An awakening within the awakening. An anointing within the anointing. Yeah. Okay. Of a need for revival within revival. It's been rising in many hearts. You know, we've joked about this in the past, but I want to say it again because this cry is rising in many hearts. You know, in the early days of revival, we rejoice when people walk in under their own power and then they're wheeled out in wheelchairs. Whereas it should be by now that people are wheeled in in wheelchairs and walk out under their own power. All right, so things were backwards. So apparently people walked in able to walk 
And then they got so baked under whatever it is that's there that they had to be wheeled out on wheelchairs. And he's saying that this was you know backwards. So that's a, a, an admission that people <laughs> would show up in wheelchairs and not be walking out at Brownsville. Just saying. For those of you from this area, it should be that after three and a half years of revival, in spite of awesome fruit in the schools and awesome fruit in the community and awesome fruit through the city, it should be after three and a half years that Pensacola looks and smells a whole lot different than it does. And that's him admitting that it still stinks there in Pensacola. It different. Yeah. Florida? Yeah, Florida. Oh, so, you know, glass <laughs> bottles and cigarette butts in the beaches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It should be that they're not new strip clubs opening up, but closing down because there's no business. And that's an admission they weren't. The revival didn't stop the strip clubs. Okay. And some of you, you're here on repeat visits. You're here for the fifth or the tenth time. And God moved six months ago. And God moved two years ago. And God moved three years ago. But you certainly expected to have seen more by now. I want to tell you, friends, that we are not waiting on God as much as God is waiting on us tonight. Ah, it's all your fault. <laughs> you guys are not revivaling hard enough. That's right. <laughs> uh, do, do you have any more? I need 50 cc's of revival stat. <laughs> yeah. You need, you need to up the revival intensity if you want to see better results. So the, it's really all their fault. Boy, talk about a guilt trip. Mm-hmm. I, this has nothing to do with Genesis 32, at, like at all. Yeah, we've, we've, we've diverged off of that. Yeah. I'm not sure why he read that text out, but I'm 100% convinced after carefully exegeting through uh, Genesis 32 and my recent ramblings through Genesis, when I read the commentaries and did the translation work, had nothing at all in the text that was pointing to the Brownsville revival. Or strip clubs. Yeah, or closing strip clubs and things like that. Are you saying that's not what Jacob did? No, I I don't think they really had those. That would be an an anachronism. I think that would be called an Asherah pole. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, in the in the ancient world, they did have like religious prostitution things like that, but that, that's that's not even mentioned in this text. No. So, okay. It is not God's will that this revival merely goes on. It is God's will that this. But Yangi Cho said it was God's will for it to go on until Jesus returned. My heart will go on. <laughs> the Bible goes deeper. It is not God's will that the revival merely endure. Praise God, we're into our fourth year. That's not God's will that it merely endures. It is God's will that the revival intensifies. It is not God's will that we merely carry on with the work of revival. It is God's will that the waves of revival carry us away. Carry us onward. Carry us upward. Carry us outward into regions that have not yet been touched or explored. And it's all your fault that it hasn't. <laughs> I mean, that's really what he's saying. And it would have worked, too, if it hadn't been for you meddling Christians. Yeah. There's more, friends. We become comfortable when it's time to become confrontational. We become accustomed to the things of the Spirit when we're supposed to become aggressive. I don't mean aggressive in a negative way with God, but aggressive to the point that we look at a Goliath and say, if no one else is going after him, I'm going after him, and I'm running after him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. There it is. Yeah, so yeah, is. you're not slaying your Goliaths, man. Yeah, no, I mean, there's clear Bible twisting going on oh. here. 
which would actually contraindicate that this was a legitimate move of the Holy Spirit. Just saying. Some of us, and there's been great sacrifice here in the revival. And there are people, the ushers and the workers and the laborers and the volunteers that are the heroes of all of us here in leadership. We honor them. I go to other churches and I boast about these men and women who've labored and given. And many of you that have come from other churches, you've labored, you've sacrificed, you've gone the extra mile, it seems. Some of us, you could say, have even gotten used to the pain of contractions and childbirth. God says it's time to push the baby out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know any woman who is used to contractions. Dad, have you pushed the baby out yet? No. (laughs) You need to get on that. (laughs) Argue with the cult. <laughs> just like... Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, this is yeah. So, can can somebody get me a birthing stool, please? <laughs> Bring out the hot water. <laughs> we continue. And I want to say something to the students that are here from the school of ministry, and I know that many of you are here tonight. I don't know it because God gave me a word of knowledge. I know it because you're everywhere. This is what we call support the president. I want to say to all the students here and those that are thinking about coming in the future. We we constantly are looking at the student body and trying to think, how can we help more? How can we minister more? How can we meet needs more? It's a constant conversation among all of us in the school and the leadership. How can we make this a little easier? How can we simplify this? How can we relieve a burden here and there? That's a constant concern to us because you are why we're here. But I want to say this to you plainly. Brownsville Revival School of Ministry may never become a normal school with all the facilities and comforts and benefits that a normal school could offer. And, and the schools have that wonderful. I rejoice. I pull up to places and see huge facilities and, 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 and sports facilities and massive libraries. And I thank God if those things are being used to prepare laborers and to create an environment that's good. I'm glad they won't have a hockey team. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, <laughs> they're certainly not normal. No, they're, they're, they're not normal. Yeah. People wonderful. I rejoice in it. And if God gives that to us, fine. But we may never, ever have that. We may always be stretching, always be growing, always straining, always moving. What do you think life was like for the 12 disciples in the early church? Revival, friends, means movement. I said all that to say this. I believe we are at a point where God is ready to do wonderful and radical things that we haven't yet seen. I- but it's up to you. It's up to you. God wants to do these. I, 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 this is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and uh, I, I really want to do some stuff. But, you know, you, you're going to need to up your revival game because my hands are kind of tied about this, you know. <laughs> did, you, did you catch how first he was Ezekiel, now he's... Uh... Now they're all, what was it, the, the apostles, the 12 apostles? Yeah. It's, it's Honestly, if he's supposed to be Ezekiel, I wouldn't want to eat lunch with him. <laughs> no, no. Let's continue. We've got us ready to stoke and turn up the fires of revival beyond what we've yet seen. 
I believe it's time for Pensacola to be impacted. I believe it's time for fire to spread like we've never seen throughout America and to the nations of the earth. And I, for one, by the grace of God, don't want to be right in the thick of it, not in the last move, not in the last memory, but today. Isn't God supposed to consume the world with fire on the yeah, last day? Yeah. Just, okay. yeah. I don't think you want to be in the thick of that. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, the wrong referent thing. Yeah. <laughs> Running at top speed in the glory of God. Caught up in his presence. Seeing his power. Last week, it was last Wednesday night, something happened in the service. The Friday and Saturday night before had been powerful. Good crowds. I, are we done with the Bible at this point? Sounds like it. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It sounds like it's been held hostage long enough, and now it's being drugged back into the back of the stage. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm just I'm not seeing the connection here between Genesis 32 and this. No. People coming from all over. But last Wednesday was so powerful. It was. It was, yes. Mm. Same here. Our last yeah. Wednesday was, oh, whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Mm. Yeah. Okay. Steve had said it felt like summertime. Busloads of people coming from all over. Large youth groups. 70, 80 people, I think it was, just from Tallahassee. Young people. People weeping and getting right with God at the altars. Wonderful baptismal testimonies. Sunday morning was a wonderful service in Brownsville. Overflow packed with people. Wednesday night, something just happened in the service. It wasn't because things were bad or things were wrong or people weren't coming or the spirit wasn't moving. To the contrary, we were all in an encouraged state of mind. But something just happened in the service. And I believe it's the fruit of secret prayer and people crying out and all night prayer and people seeking the face of God and fasting and young people soaking their bed with tears. I believe God's been hearing and watching and looking. I sat in the service Wednesday night and something just hit me. It was out of the blue. It could have been the most wonderful night in the history of the revival. But something just hit me. I thought, what in the world am I doing here in, in church? And we're something supposed to be different. We're not just supposed to be having a revival service on Wednesday night. We're not just supposed to be having a moving of God. Something is supposed to break out. I turned to the brothers, to Pastor and Steve. I said, I feel like something's just supposed to break out tonight. I was going to get up and speak, so I began to speak. And they began to sense something happening. I made some announcements after I was done. Talked about the need to get back to normal. Talked about the need to break out and see the real things that God wants to do. And sat down and Pastor and Steve had sensed God wanted to do something fresh. Pastor got up and said, we're just going to pray. We feel we need to go in a different direction. And we turned this night. This, this. So he felt that God wanted to do something new. And it was up to them to make it so that God fulfilled what he wanted to do. Well, yeah, you know, God needs Michael Brown to do what right, God wants right, to do. Right, right, right. Yeah, God's sitting on the sidelines. I really want to, you know, help you out here and... Help you like supercharge your revival fire thingy. Um, <laughs> oh, man, we need Can we get a double extra revival, please? <laughs> With a we shot need, of espresso. We need, <laughs> we need something to break out, yeah. like a disease. I know. I, every plague? time they talk that way, yeah. <laughs> Ebola. <laughs> All right, we continue. Us into a time of prayer and crying out and going after God and seeking the face of God earnestly saying, God, you've got to come in power. What we've seen has been wonderful. What we've seen has been glorious, but there's got to be more. And we're at a place of desperation. There's got to be more than this. Oh, man. 
Thanks for all of that, God. That's been great and all. But can I have some more, please? Isn't that like the opposite of gratitude? I think it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. We continue. We're in a place that we can't live the way we're living anymore. Genesis 32 with Jacob. What happened? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah what happened? What exactly? That is an important question. Let's see how he answers the question. <laughs> he got to a point where he could not go on the way he had been going anymore, and it hit suddenly. Uh, yeah, no, that's not how that narrative works. I don't know at what point he realized what was coming, but it hit suddenly. And I want you to recognize the state of desperation in Jacob. Yeah, I, I don't see it in the text. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> um, Okay, hang on a second here. So Genesis 32, uh, starting in verse 13. We'll apply a little context, see if we can figure out what's going on. So Jacob stayed there that night. Uh, from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels, and their calves, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> ah, yeah. that's a big present. Yeah. And these he handed over to his servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me. Put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you to whom do you belong, where are you going, and whose are these ahead of you, then you shall say they belong to your servant. Jacob, they are a present sent to my lord Esau, and moreover he is behind us. And likewise instructed the second and the third and all who follow the droves, you shall say to the same thing to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us, for he thought I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterward I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. The same night he arose and took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven children and crossed the fort of the Jabbok, and he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day, and when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip, socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint, and he wrestled uh, when he wrestled with him. And when he said, let me go, for the day is, has broken, but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Why is it that you, uh, uh, then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. And so kind of the punchline of the narrative is, man, I've seen God face to face, and I lived. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's huge. That's not small. You know, and Peniel in Hebrew, that's, that, that means face to face. You know, the, the seeing the face of God. 
So, I mean, this is this is an important text in that regard. Who did he ultimately wrestle with? I think he was wrestling with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there God you have flesh, yeah, yeah, God in human flesh. He, I mean, that's ginormous. And yet Michael Brown is engaging in something called eisegesis where he's reading something into the text that's not there. And the thing he's reading in is this holy desperation thing. And um, that's not in the text. And yet he claims that God told him to preach this. Mm. But I see no exegetical warrant for the message that he's giving at all. Nope. So, all right. Just want to make sure we work that out from the context. The, the, the push, the hunger, the desire that was within him. You've got to understand something. For those of you who've ever wrestled, for those of you who've ever been in that kind of heavy physical activity, you can't keep it up for long. It's not like some show on television, so-called wrestling match with performers. If you've ever seen Olympic-level wrestling, the, the, the rounds are short because the energy that's put out is so great that you can only go on for a few minutes and that's it. And Jacob wrestles through the night. Why? Because he had no alternative. Because he had no other outlet. He had no other way. And all- um, Yeah, maybe it's because they wrestled and like neither of them prevailed and the wrestling match kept going on. I mean, you got somebody wrestling with you, you got to keep wrestling. I mean, it takes two to tango, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Two to wrestle, I'm pretty sure. He could say was, I won't let you go because I can't let you go. If I let you go, I die. If I let you- yeah, no, that's Isagesus. That's Where not in the that? text. Yeah. No, that's, nope. My family dies. That's holy desperation. The desperation that won't let go because it can't let go. Friends, we in America get so settled in. We in America and from the prosperous nations of the world, we get so complacent. We get so lethargic. We, we learn to rely on our resources. And even in a heaven-sent revival like this, where there's not been a single service where anyone ever tried to concoct anything, where anyone ever tried to work anything up, where anyone ever tried to create an atmosphere other than what God was doing, not a single time in a single service. Yeah, that's weird that he would say that. That sounds to me like, well, what we really did is the opposite of that. Yeah. He thinks he doth protest Yeah, too much. Too much. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Still, we can get used to revival. And we can just keep thinking, well, God's going to move more. God's going to move more. America's going to be shaken. My city's going to be touched. My church is going to be touched. My loved ones are going to be saved. Healing power is going to come. But friends, unless a change comes in us, it's not going to change out there. Yeah, see, it's all your fault again. I mean, with all that revival and baking in the glory and the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff, you'd think they would, four years of this, the people there should be glowing in the dark. Well, they're just not revivaling hard enough. That's right. Yeah, they they need to up their revival commitment levels. You need to swing harder. (laughs) Okay. Moses had had one of the most awesome encounters with God of any human being. Probably of anyone who lived up to that point in history, he had the most awesome encounter with God of anyone. Yeah, it's kind of not about the awesome encounter thingy, and we shouldn't expect to have that same kind of awesome encounter. Awesome. Awesome. And he had an experience that most of us could not even relate to in our wildest dreams. Think of it for a minute. He went up the mountain with God at Mount Sinai. God spoke to him out of the mountain. He replied, all Israel saw it and heard, and he spent 40 days alone with God. Consider it. He didn't eat. 
He didn't drink. It was supernatural. He lived in the glory for 40 days and 40 nights. He came down and saw... Was he able to do that because of his revival commitment level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't no. think so. Moses yeah. did it, so why aren't you? Uh, that's kind of how I'm hearing this. Mm-hmm. The sin of his people came down and saw that they couldn't wait for him to return. And instead they had made a golden calf. And now his judgment was on his people. And he had to move outside of the camp. He said to Moses, if I stay in the camp, the people will die. I'm going to have to judge them. So there was a tent that was set outside called the tent of meeting. And if anyone wanted to meet with God, they'd go outside the camp. They had to break away. They'd go outside the camp and there the presence would be. And when Moses would go outside the camp, it says the cloud would come down in the tent. And all the Israelites would stand at the door of their tent and watch. It was amazing. Look at this. Moses is going out there. And the cloud comes down. Everyone just stop. Look, look, look. Moses and the Lord. And the Lord, it says, would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And you know what Moses prayed? He had been on Mount Sinai 40 days and 40 nights. He had been the one that had the encounter with God at the burning bush. He had been the one that raised the rod and saw the sea split. He saw, seen the miracle power of God like no one else who ever lived. But now there's something in him in the midst of the glory, in the midst of the blessing, in the midst of the moving. There's something in him crying out for a greater revelation of God. There's something in him that has to break out and take hold of God. He can't live... What text is he exegeting here? I feel like he's sticking stuff into the narrative that's not there. That's from the uh, parts in between the lines. Right, right. Yeah. You need the Urim and Thummim to be able to look through. the. You find, <laughs> yeah, those are the words that glow in green when you look through the Urim and yeah. Thummim. you got to stick it in a hat. Yeah. Also need oh, a black yeah. light. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, right. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's in there. So. It's any longer. He can't stay back any longer. And he says, oh, God, show me your glory. Yeah, actually, that did happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just he wanted to see God's glory, but your lead up to this kind of mm, stuck stuff in there that um, yeah wasn't quite in the context. Some might call this ham fisted. Yeah. yeah, I've got to have you and know you and experience you in a way beyond what I have yet. Friends, that's what it's going to take, that heart cry rising up to the throne of God. Right, so you had better get your heart cry level thingy up to the right level so that you can, the revival stuffy can go to the next level thingy. You're you're not heart crying loud enough. Right, yeah. Right, I, I, I'm going to go with a plaintive yawp. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that's my heart cry. There you yop. go. Yarp. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. You see, yeah. Listen to what John G. Lake said. I love to quote Lake and teach on Lake. Just last week in our school of ministry, I taught our first year class, Giants of the Faith, where we look at the lives of different ones God used through the ages, revivalists in the past and missionaries, and those used in healing, the power of God. We talked about John Lake, a man mightily used by God to heal the sick. A man used by God in an extraordinary way in South Africa at the turn of this century with miracles the likes of which hadn't been seen since the days of the apostles. 
But Lake came from a family. He was one of 16 children. His mother and father were healthy and strong people. But Lake's family had a curse of sickness and disease on it. By the time he was in his 20s... He had a family curse of sickness and disease. Okay. Eight of his brothers and sisters had died. Sickness, disease. One brother had suffered 22 years with a severe blood disorder and was an invalid on the edge of death. Another sister was dying of breast cancer. Another sister was terminally ill. Lake's wife had a degenerative heart condition that was going to kill her. Lake was sick and his child was sick. And it was at that point that the cry of his heart went out to God for healing. It was at that point after seeing all the destruction that had been wrought in his family. It was at that point after seeing the devil steal and kill and destroy. That a cry rose up in him that was so intense that it had to receive an answer. Right. So you need to up your intensity to, you know, go jump in a lake style. And, you know, once you get that lake intensity up like that, then then God can. You need to pump those numbers up. Yeah. Those are rookie numbers. Yeah. The answer came down. It came down with a manifestation of power through his life, the likes of which very few of us have ever seen. And we just want to sit back and skip a day of food and maybe pray for an hour and read our Bibles a little bit here and there and turn off the TV maybe once or twice a week to meet with God more. And we think the glory is going to come down. Friends, let me ask you a question. How much room is there for God in your life? How much capacity is there for God in your life? We're not talking about save room for dessert, friends. Yeah, it's all up to you. You you just don't have and you haven't saved enough room for God. It's your fault. It's the tab. Yeah. So okay. We're talking about holy starvation. Listen to what Lake said. God's purposes come to pass when your heart and mind get the real God cry and the real God prayer comes into our spirit and the real God yearning gets hold of our nature. Something is going to happen then. No matter what your soul may be coveting, if it becomes the supreme cry of your life, not the secondary matter, or the third or fourth, the fifth or tenth, but the supreme desire of your soul, the paramount issue, all the powers and energies of your spirit, soul, and body are reaching out to God and crying to God for the answer. It is going to come. Yeah, it's all up to you. You got it's all, 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 all. Well, what if the desire of your heart is sinful? Yeah, well, you know, because we're in, in this lifetime sinner and saying, I don't know how to get all of my all to do the all thing in order to get from God. So it's up to you and your performance, your commitment, your openness, your desire, your desperation. This is the thing that is the determining factor on whether or not God moves. Rather than the fact that you are baptized, that you are in Christ, that you are forgiven, that you are his precious child and he is attentive to your prayers and to your needs. No, none of that matters. Mm-mm. No, you got to get your all thingy up to the maximum you know, that it needs to be. Otherwise, God can't move. Do I have an allometer? Yeah, you, we need allometers. I, I think we need to make one. The hunger of a man's soul must be satisfied. It must be satisfied. It is a law of God in the depths of the spirit. 
God. That's it. So this is a law. You know, I'm oh. glad he says so. I don't think this is actual biblical law, but it's an, it's law nonetheless. Me. Will answer the heart that cries. God will answer the soul that asks. Can you really say, God, I'm desperate? Can you really say, oh, God, I can't live without the blessing? Not for some selfish thing, but so that... <laughs> Have you hit desperation levels high enough? I'm I'm desperate for actual biblical context. (laughs) No, you know, that one's only like 75% desperate. You need to like up your desperateness. (laughs) God can touch us so we can touch others. I was with some dear folks. We were doing some outreach in Cleveland one time. And a dear brother was praying before the meetings. We were praying for the lost. And he said, Lord... Give me souls or I die. And I said to myself, I really appreciate his heart, but I wonder if he really means that. And I wonder if I prayed it. If I- Man, yeah, I know. I heard you, but did you, did you mean it? Did you mean it enough? Man. I know you're saying that you're desperate, but are you really Are you really desperate? desperate? But were you really desperate? Yeah. Sounds like the words of the devil more than the words of God. Yeah, hmm. yeah I mean, yeah, that was desperate-ish. But was it desperate? Yeah. So we need a we need an olometer and we need a desperate meter. Mm. So yeah. a desperado meter. Desper <laughs> right, yeah. We continue. We really mean it. Give me souls or I die. Whitfield used to pray, give me souls or take my soul. John Knox prayed for Scotland, give me Scotland or I die. John Hyde, the great intercessor, prayed with such intensity. That when he came down sick in his 40s and was taken to a doctor in Bombay. I would argue that John Knox's prayer for Scotland wasn't him attempting to hit a desperation level necessary to move the the hand of God. But that was born of a true understanding of the biblical gospel and the need for the people in Scotland to hear the truth of Christ and to be forgiven, otherwise they burn in hell. I would I would argue that that is a fruit of the Spirit, not an expectation that he felt that he needed to attain or a law that he needed to fulfill. As an American missionary in India, they found that literally his heart had moved to the center of his chest cavity. So much broken-hearted anguish and his soul going up to God. It actually, Yeah, that can't be good. So his, his heart moved because his heart moved. The soul, the heart is at the center of your chest cavity. That's where it resides. The, the misconception is that it's on the left-hand side of your chest. Okay. Affected him on the inside. I ask you again, how much capacity is there for God in your life? How much room is there for God to visit? How much room is there for God to use you? My- Hi, I'd like to come <laughs> visit, but your guest room seems a little cluttered. It's 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 under construction. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't made any room for me, so I, I'm just gonna go sleep at the neighbor's house. <laughs> Crud, he, he's a real, he, he's a, he, he's terrible. <laughs> what on earth is this theology? Are you desperate? Holy desperation is a driving, insatiable, dominating hunger. Holy desperation. It's the only- so apparently the reason why the Brownsville revival fizzled out then would be due to them not actually attaining the right 
revival desperation levels to, to for it to continue to go on. For some reason, this is making me think of Jesus at the well telling the woman that he would give her living water. Like the, the, this desperation he keeps talking about doesn't really seem like, you know, if you actually believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, are you really all that desperate now? Right. I, yeah. He, uh, it kind of sounds like he's trying to turn us all into like really terrible ex-girlfriends. <laughs> Okay. Are you desperate enough? (laughs) You can get God, but are you desperate enough for him? Yeah. Well, I'm desperate down by the river, you know. (laughs) Oh. Anyway, anyway, let's continue. You receive real treasures from God. Holy desperation is the only thing that will make us fit and able to receive from God. Did you catch that? So our holy desperation is what makes us fit to receive from God. That's what makes us holy. This is this is um, you know this is Messed purely up. legalistic. Messed up. Yeah, this is all law. Yeah, you see the bottom side of this particular theolo- theology said made in China. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> wow. It's bad. Many of us know the words of Psalm 42 as the the deer longs for streams of water. So my heart longs after you. We talk about being hungry for God, but we know very little about hunger, friends. We know very little about real hunger. Starving hunger that drives people to do desperate things. It's an unimaginable thing, but Deuteronomy 28 talks about a curse for disobedience where the famine will be so great that women will boil and eat their own children. It's impossible to conceive of it. I guarantee you, every mother in the world would sign on a dotted line saying that could never possibly happen. And yet desperate starvation will drive people to do desperate things. When it's turned toward God, friend, desperate hunger and starving hunger for the glory of God can shake whole nations. Yeah, this has nothing to do with Genesis 32. So we've gone from Jacob to cannibalism. Right. He's he's saying, oh... Desperation is a good thing, but now eat your kids? No, I, I think he's like, talking about how the, the type of desperation that we need is that kind that would cause us to do desperate things, you know. So I no. Just doesn't the the analogy just doesn't make sense. No. No, I this is and this is just really heavy doubt creating like legalism. You know, and it's up to me to get from God. I'm glad this thing fizzled out. Yeah. Thank God for churches working together. Thank God for unity. Thank God for denominational barriers coming down among true believers. Thank God for prayer meetings where people come together. But I tell you, beyond all that... See, we may think if we can join hands with enough people and hold hands with enough people, the glory will come down for us. It doesn't work like that. It can be one person shut up alone with God that won't come out of their room until the glory comes down. And that could change a nation. I remember Leonard Ravenhill saying to me one time on the phone, Mike, a man only needs to be anointed one hour in his life and he could change history. God just came down and got hold of us, friends. Desperation is more than normal hunger. It's hunger at the point of death. The hunger of survival in the midst of famine and drought. 
The Hebrew word used there in Psalm 42 for the deer that's panting for streams of water is actually an audible hunger. It's a craving that's, that's so loud that it would, it would actually give utterance to a sound. Those of you sometimes that have been so desperate and you just find yourself, oh, just crying out like that. When John Lake heard about the baptism in the Spirit, he had seen his brother healed on the verge of death, the invalid, 22 years. He saw him instantly healed. He saw his sister with breast cancer healed. He saw his other sister die and come back from the dead. He saw his own wife healed. He himself was healed. He saw his child healed. And he still hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And a man, an old man, came into his office in Chicago. Lake was a prosperous businessman at the turn of this century, making $50,000 a year. Not the equivalent of $50,000, but at the beginning of this century, making $50,000 a year. And an old man came into his office and talked to him about the baptism in the Spirit. And Lake said, there's something in God that I don't have and I want it. And he began to hunger and he began to thirst and he began... If he was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit... In water, uh, he had the Holy Spirit. Scripture's clear on this. See Acts 2 if you're confused. After God, and he said, for nine months, he said, I believe I was the hungriest man for God who ever lived. Longing for God. He said he'd go walking down the street sometimes, and just unconsciously, just a street full of people after work, and he'd just say, oh, God, and people would look at him. It was that hunger that had to have an outlet panting, thirsting after streams of water. Friend, are you panting after God? Are you thirsting after God like an animal would be in the desert that's going to die if it doesn't get to water? Why don't you tell me more about God? That might create a hunger and a thirst within me. Here I'm just being browbeaten. Seriously, just like, oh, I don't know if I feel thirsty enough, man. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I don't think I don't Tell me God more saved. about Jesus. Tell me more about God. That that always seems to uh, create a hunger and a thirst for more. Mm-hmm. And a growing hunger and thirst. I mean, but here, I mean, I'm mean, i looking inside myself going, <gasps> I'm not hungry enough. <laughs> God's not going to give me God because I don't hunger enough. I wanted a double cheeseburger, but now I want God. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Stupid. Wow. Talk about a guilt trip. Hungering for souls and for the glory of God. Only someone would be hungering for food and famine. Or would you really like to see the Lord do more? Would you really like to see the Lord send revival? Would you really like to see your nation touched? And would you really like to see the blessing of the Lord in your life? Friend, you know the difference. You know the difference. I want to speak to the teenagers here, the young people. You may not know this, but I've talked about you guys in different parts of America and in different parts of the world. I remember it was a little over a year and a half ago. It was May of 1997. I was praying in the back there for people at the end of the service. And one of the young ladies, faithful in the revival, just looked downcast. She was crying. She'll be crying often during an altar call, but I'm used to seeing her bubbly smile. Instead, she was crying. And I said to her, what's the matter? She said, there are only three weeks left in school. And I'm afraid God's not going to do anything else. 
And I said, what do you want to see him do? She said, I want to see revival. And she just fell to the ground sobbing and weeping. I've prayed with some young people here in the revival. I've joined hands with them as they're praying. I always go out of my way to pray for them when I see that hunger in their heart and soul. And I've prayed as they're hysterically saying, Jesus, save my schools. Friends, sometimes we pray and we pray and things go so far and we get accustomed to it. I'm telling you, it's going to take more tears. I'm telling you, we may have gotten within an inch of the breakthrough, but we can't stop now. Going to take more tears. Can't stop now. We're like an inch away from the breakthrough. So push through with those tears, man. Get those tear levels up. This is the kind of stuff that drives people out of Christianity, yeah. away from Christ. This, this. Oh, don't worry, crying girl. God's gonna bring revival. Oh, it's it's a it's a promise. It's just, a promise. Just keep crying though. You maybe cry a little harder now, would you? Yeah, cry harder because there's three weeks left, and if God doesn't do anything, then it's your fault. Yeah. Wow. I I think you get the idea. I I don't think I could take much more of this and uh you know it and unfortunately it goes on and on this is an energizer bunny type of you need to get up your game kind of sermon in order to get more revival out of god stuff so get desperate get hungry increase the tears increase the devotion you, you kind of get the idea and it's law 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 you want to create a hunger in people for, for christ tell them about christ yeah, preach God's law to convict people of their sins, and then preach Christ, the crucified and risen Savior, who has bled and died for their sins. Point out how amazing and wonderful and kind and gracious He is. And boy, I tell you, desperation levels will soar. Yeah. Because the more you understand who Jesus is and what He has done for you, that's the type of thing that grows literally as a fruit of the Spirit within your own heart. So, but what he's just doing is that, look inside your blackened heart. Is there enough devotion? No. Well, I'm going to whip it up. You, we, you want more miracles? Well, you, we, God can't give them until you step up your game. Yeah, I mean, this this will create atheists out of people. Desperation for desperation's sake. Yeah, desperation for the sake of desperation's sake. In order to prove to God that I'm at that level, so that He mm-hmm. can finally go, okay, finally you've you've upped your game enough. Fine, I guess I'll give you your revival now. Yeah, took Jeez, you long guys. enough to get it together. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, such such normies. Mm. Ugh. Anyway, I think you get the idea. I'm I'm not going to belabor the point, but uh, more more evidence. I mean, objective evidence. The Brownsville revival, not a move of the Holy Spirit, because what's missing there is the grace of Christ. Yeah. What's, what's missing there is sound exegesis and a proper understanding of Scripture. I mean, Jesus makes an appearance in Genesis yeah. 32. Did we hear the name of Christ even? We heard God, yeah. and we heard Spirit. Yeah. But did we actually hear the name Jesus Christ? I don't think so. I don't think no. we did. Yeah. And definitely no forgiveness of sins. No. no, no, none of that. And it's and notice the people who it's all about them getting right with God, mm. rather than preaching the you know the Messiah, who bled and died in order to make things right with God for them. Yeah. So I mean, it, it this is 180 degrees the the wrong direction. Yeah. So, all right. So we're at the end of another episode of Fighting for the Faith. I'd love to know what you think. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard. 
on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ's vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.